Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's another conversation with Agility by Nature. Me and my guest actually already, I found out, share something in common. Some of you may be morning people and like to get up at 10 past five in the morning, jog and run with the, the dog, have 15 important calls across Mombasa, New York, London and Sydney, go to the gym, get the kids to school and turn up at work at 10 past seven to say howdy doody and a hey nolly nolly to all the cleaners coming in and out. Some of us, however, are not like that and are more evening people. And when we wake up, we think about the, um, the, the strains of bebop jazz that we were listening to last night, possibly had a few vodka martinis and we like a casual run up to the day by having a, possibly a little bit of caffeine and we're ready to go at about, oh, now. So today, me and Louisa are evening people. Louisa Mensa is today's guest. How are you, Louisa? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. And yeah, <laughs> That's today, the best time for us. <laughs> <laughs> I do like a long run. Although ironically, I also found out that both of us have really eased back on our caffeine. So um, maybe yeah, you're caffeine free now. Yes, uh, I am. Yeah, yeah, and I'm on uh, herbal teas more often than I'm not. I do like two cups of coffee just to, just to get the brain alive uh, and wake me up. I'm really looking forward to talking to you like I do to all my guests. You've got a fabulous career, and it's a very focused career, which I particularly like. Um, you've worked with companies such as Barclay Card and Vodafone, Lloyd's Banking Group, um, three, the three uh, mobile, so lots of banking and lots of um, uh, utility big infrastructure challenges there. But the thing that I really like about your career is it's really focused. You've been a scrum master, you've been a project manager scrum master, you've been a scrum master, you've been a scrum master, you've been a scrum master slash agile coach, scrum master agile coach. It's really focused and I love that because it's a hard job. It's a really hard job being a scrum master. So I'm hoping that you'll be able to share some tips to all the new fledgling scrum masters and all the more experienced ones who are looking for some ideas and tricks and of the, of the game. How did you get into IT and how did you get into Scrum Mastery? Well, I had my, I did my first degree in computer networking. So I dropped into IT like that. And then uh, when I finished my undergrad, I always say I started working in the world, wonderful world of IT support. <laughs> so Another well, hard job as well. Oh, tell me about it. But then um, I actually learned a lot. Now looking back, I'm realizing that I learned a lot of skills that helped me in my work today because, you know, you go to work early in the morning. I think when I, I and mostly I was doing shift work. So eight and a half, 10 yeah. hours per day. And it, it, it varies sometimes in the morning, sometimes in the evening. But then you go and, you know, you come into work, doo -doo 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 -doo, you pick your phone, the first caller, and they're having a go at you. <laughs> you know? yeah. So you learn how to navigate through that, uh, which I think now looking back, I've used it a lot in my current role as a scrum master and an agile coach, because it's not every day you get the luxury of having uh, stakeholders that wouldn't rob you off the wrong way from time to time. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm going to try not to deviate because I go everywhere and I want to tell the whole story kind of thing. <laughs> so anyway, so I did that for a number of years working in IT support. But after a while, I was just thinking of my career progression. You get cussed out a lot. You're doing 10 and a half hour shifts. You know, you, 
after a while you don't know what is day and what is night because you're doing long hours mm -hmm. and so I wanted to do more and at that time I was thinking um when I was in uni, I enjoyed doing project management. So it started off with the idea of going back to do project management. So I started talking to people I knew who were project managers and the like. And then um, I'm part of a networking group uh, for people of Ghanaian origin, because hey, I'm from Ghana and I'm part of that originally. And so they, then I, someone, I spoke to someone who was a scrum master and he calls himself the scrum daddy. So you can imagine. <laughs> and I'm thinking, uh, what is that? So I had a chat with him. I did the research. At that time, I had committed, I'd committed to go do my MSc in program and project management already. Yeah. And so whilst talking to him, I found out that I liked what they were talking about with regards to scrum because... At that time, I'd also started this journey and I realized that teaching, coaching, mentoring was something that actually came natural to me. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's how I just jumped into it. So I started off working with a group called Akaditi. I've always had a relationship with them back and forth. So okay. while I've been going to uni, I was privileged to sort of work part-time with them. And from then on till today, I've never looked back really enjoyed it and I still enjoy doing it. Fantastic. And obviously, you know, coming back to the support, I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, who's done a lot of um, support work and he still does it actually. Uh, he's great with the, great with the people he works with. He spent a long time in um, editorial and they mm -hmm. can be quite demanding and he was brilliant at disarming them and being friendly and, but still getting the job done. So that must be a pretty fundamental scheme for a, a scrum master because it's not a controlled do as I say, perhaps in the way the project management is. It's this infamous servant leadership role that we hear so much about. Can you tell me a bit about this servant leader role and the skills that go into that? Well, um, to be a servant leader, you know, like they always say in change management that if you want, you have to be the change you want to see. So to be a servant leader, I think it starts with you yourself, you know. You need to be comfortable in your own skin. You need to understand what your strengths and your weaknesses are. You need to understand all the different facets of um, EI, emotional intelligence, you know, to be able to deal with a team. Um, the simplest way I try to explain it is as a servant leader, you go into a room. For example, when I go into a room and maybe we have a big demo with big clients, I don't then go and stand in front of the room and say, this is me, Louisa, you know, the mother of Superman and this and that. No, you actually sit at the back of the room and let the, the team take over because you've brought them to a point where they're comfortable in their own skin. They can portray their work. They can showcase what they've done with confidence. If they need you, they know you're there at the back, giving them support. They will always turn to look at you at times and then you give them a nod, you know, for those that are not too sure about how to go about doing things and everything. And if they know that you believe in them, the best comes out yeah. of people in the team. And in every team, the, the health of the team, if I may use the term, it's a direct correlation with, of you, the leader, and how you lead. So if your team is doing well, then it means you as a leader, you are doing well. And being a servant leader at times, it just means taking a step back yeah, yeah. and letting them do. When they need you, they will come to you. 
And I think this is a concept that a lot of people need to understand. This transcends beyond Scrum and Agile. If you're able to do that, it doesn't matter what you do, whatever organization you work in, you would make it. Mm. That would sound like, uh, there's a number of things that occurred to me when you were saying that, is establishing trust, establishing mm -hmm. credibility, you know, because uh, IT can be quite territorial. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, um, but also patience, discipline and character, all of those words sort of came into my head at the same mm -hmm. time. So let's, can we go on the journey? So if you get a new team, you're new to them, mm -hmm. they're new to you, they might be new to each other. Right. How do you, so presumably you've got to be a bit more hands-on, or is that just an assumption I've made? Well, um, normally when I go to a new team, of course I go, I introduce, I get, you get introduced to the team, but then I don't tend to jump in straight away. Yeah. I like to stay back and observe how they relate to each other. Even when you go into the room they're in or the space, I want to see if everyone is glued on their laptop or they're talking and having a banter. It already, already tells me the health of the team, where they're at. Are they working together? Are they comfortable with each other or not? So that then teaches me how to deal with them. And I like always to... And this is something I always recommend to those that I mentor is that make sure you have one-on-one -on -one sessions with everyone in the team, you know. It doesn't need to be an hour's, no, no, no. It's just 10, 15 minutes. Let's go for a walk somewhere out of the building. Mm -hmm. Let's have a chat. And I'm just trying to get to know you, you know, um, I, because you want them to feel comfortable with you. And it's always important as well to say that, okay, I'm here to support you to make sure that we deliver. What areas do you think I should look out for? Because you're here to serve the team. So these are the kind of things I do in the beginning. And, you know, you make notes of it. Of course, in so doing, I also tend to know the, the individual themselves. Is this a me, me kind of person yeah. who's going to badmouth everyone else? Or is it someone who's not sec secure in their skin? So, you know, when you're dealing with them, you have to prop them a little bit more than yeah. the others. I always say um, with every team that I work with that, um, I don't have kids yet, but I'm paid to mama the team. <laughs> so I do anything and everything to ensure that we work as a team. But those are the kind of things I do. And then for me, it's very important from the beginning to create a safe space for yeah. my team. Yeah. It's so important to, because sometimes when you go into these organizations, the culture around you is, may not be the best. But you know, the little space of influence you have, mm. you have to make the difference there. Yeah. And when they feel the difference there, that I mean the team, and they know it's very important they know you've got their back. Yeah, yeah. That's it. You're no home run. Yeah. It's yeah. not gonna be smooth, of course, because nobody likes change. I don't like change, you don't like change. It's a human thing. But you if you gradually ease them through it and they know you're there for the journey then you would make it. So and how do you establish that, that zone of calm, that safe space? Um, there's three forces there, isn't there? There's the force of the team and how they get on and how they get on with you. But there's also everything around the team, the business, be it product yes. owners, be it directors, be it operations, 
be it facilities managers who don't want you to put things on their wall. Yeah, there's all of that going on as well. How do you, how do you set that up? Because that's a big ask. I think. It, it, it is quite a big ask because for me, it's like, this is where I get a bit into trouble, if I may say so, because if you don't, we're working Scrum or Agile here. Yeah. You don't want me to put things on the wall, then give me white sheets of papers because we're going to put things on the wall. So, but then what I t tend to do, and this is something my mom taught me uh, uh, a while back saying that when you go somewhere, you know, like uh, I'm digressing a little bit here, but I'm trying to get to a point where, you know, like if you go somewhere, even the cleaners, if they don't clean, bacteria will kill you. Yeah, so I always have that in the back of my mind. So when I go into these places, I'm looking for the project coordinator. That's my best friend to get me all the rooms. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking for the facilities manager so that, you know, if I need extra chairs, because all these people play a role in helping you to succeed in your role. So they, they become my friends, whether they like it or not. I'm afraid, you know, and and sometimes it's just saying, good morning, how are you? How was your day? It makes a whole lot of difference for people. Now, coming back to creating a safe space, if the team knows that this wall is ours to put, and, you know, you get a little bit of space for them to put their rubbish a bit as well. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying rubbish in a bad way, but, you know, like yeah. all the jokes and all that kind of stuff, if okay. you can. And then, you know, just get, this is our wall. This is where we will put our stuff. This is where we would showcase the amazing work that you guys are doing because you're almost a salesman as well to get them, you know, because for example, even them being transparent with the work, especially if it's a culture that is not that open, everyone is a bit worried. And I'm like, no, we're just showcasing what we are doing, how good we're doing it, you know, yeah. and, you know, creating that. And then of course our retrospectives, those are so, so important for them to have that space where they can talk freely. And for me, I always tell all the guys that if you're, we're committing, if we're doing Scrum, I always say we're committing to doing work in this sprint. If we're all meant to be working on this particular goal and we're all scheduled to work at 100%, anything that is brought to you that has nothing to do with what we're doing right now, if you let me know, because maybe you're not feeling comfortable to go fight that battle, I am happy to take it on. Right. And um, I sure do take it on. <laughs> I sure do take it on. That's how I get into trouble at times. You know. <laughs> there was a program I was working on and it got to a point where I got escalated virtually every week. <laughs> really? Yes. But then it's all part of the experience portfolio you get going on doing this amazing work. And so yeah, so when they know that they can come to me and say, This person asked me to do this and that and that, and you ask them. Is that going to benefit us? Does it have to do with us? Do you need to do it now? You know, in so doing, I'm trying to understand why this request is coming, why they're picking on this person and the like. And then when I'm armed with the information, I can go have a chat with a person. Yeah, 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 yeah. So in so doing, I'm trying to create my own space for the guys I work with so they can feel comfortable to work. That's, I Something you said there, you know, you're, you're, you're escalated every week. And, and, and I've, I've talked to you before, and, and you're a hell of a character. I, I absolutely know <laughs> you're going to be on the bad boy, bad girl list somewhere, that's for sure. But it, it does talk to, for, 
sometimes we overuse this word courage, but you've got to be, um, you've got to be able to stand up for yourself. You can't back yeah. off. And, and obviously Scrum is disruptive. It's designed to be in many ways to be yeah. disruptive. So not exactly. Obviously we can't just disrupt an organization and expect that to be fine because it's not fine if they're not ready for you, they don't know how to react, they don't know what their role is. So we've talked about the team. How do we manage, especially if we're introducing Scrum and the new team, Mm-hmm. Um, how do you manage the people around you? How do you bring them to to help with the safety and also start delivering value? Um, with that, um, I think that when we start in the beginning, start um, with at least some uh, workshops. You know, at least letting people understand what we're about to embark on. And invariably, in most instances, that's not done. Yeah. People get maybe an email if they're lucky that says, today we're doing Scrum or today we're going Agile and that's it. And that's where the problem is. You have to communicate until people get fed up of the communication. Talk to people. You know, smaller groups, smaller departments, talk to them, let them understand. And we, we also have to bear in mind that when you come in with a change like that, People are worried about their jobs. How does it impact me? Am I going to lose my work? Then they start getting territorial and they start um, fighting the process. But then if you have all, you you don't need to, you also need to be careful. Although I'm saying over communicate, but don't like force it down their throat, like, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. But then you need to let them know because, you know, start off if possible. I've noticed that even in environments that don't do, agile or about to do it they have some sort of stand-up they do in the morning so you know if you're a coach working in that environment you know try you know the first few days just saying we're doing this and that and that we're doing sessions where people should just drop in so we can teach you what we're doing how it's going to work how you fit into the process you know that kind of thing and when you start doing it in the beginning you may not get as much uh you know, people may not bite as much, you know, or may not be that interested. And if you notice that happening, then you start talking to the team leads to get a bit of support saying, hey, you know that this is coming. We need your support to get your guys on board, you know, especially if you're working with a lot of different departments. But do um, small nugget-sized causes, just telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. Because I realized that when you do that and they start uh, knowing that you're there, your middle name becomes agile so that when they see everyone tells you how Jira is doing, you know, and then for me, what I tend to do, I tend to say, okay, how about we just spend 15 minutes? When do you have 15 minutes? And most cases, 15 minutes becomes an hour because when they start asking you questions and you start explaining to them and they go, Oh, so that means I can do it this way and that way. And when you're doing that in the beginning, try not to use big terminologies because some people you know, I, it's so interesting, even sometimes when I talk to people and they ask you, oh, do you know the theory of this? And do you know the concept of that? I go, I don't know, because I don't, I'm not fixated on the name. I'm not here to show you that I know this name or that name. And then they start explaining what it is to you. And you're like, is that the name they've given it to it now? <laughs> you understand what I mean? And so when you're, when you're starting with a new team and you, or a new organization and you st- start doing that, that's another way to, 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 that you push people away. 
when you talk to the people, if it's a mother, for example, you let the mother know that, okay, how do you plan your day in the morning to get the kids out of the door? What would you do first? You know, what steps would you follow? And I'll go, that's your list of requirements because I'm trying to get something that the person can relate to. So it's easy for them. Yeah. yeah. If you were running late out of this list, what would you definitely have to do to get them out of the door? Then the person would pick a, a subset of the long list they gave you. That's your prioritized list. Yeah. You know, when you, then they, oh my God, it's not rocket science. It's, it's straightforward. And then, you know, when it's like that, then they start asking you more questions. How do I do this? How do I do that? You know, and, and when it's like that, you come across better. They stay, they're interested. All you want is for people to be interested and to be curious enough. Yeah. 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 The rest would come with time. I've heard this quite often, actually, uh, and I was going to ask you about language, what words you use. I think you've, you've dealt with that pretty quickly, actually. But, you know, setting the context so people understand how they fit mm -hmm. is kind of respectful, if not, you know, helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but also, what are the benefits of agility rather than whatever techniques they may have without yeah. using the, the words, but also making it relevant to them, I think, makes a lot of sense. Can we just talk about, though, the, the particular relationship between a scrum master and a product owner, um, which is a very pivotal union, isn't it? You know, one is bringing the, the, the requirements, the backlogging, and, and is really stewarding the value. How do you coach them or help them become great product owners? Um, that, to be honest, that's not an easy question to answer because... Uh, in most instances, you come across uh, product owners who think that um, they are, if I may use the term, demigods, because they bring the requirements and they go and showcase it to the wider business, you know. So I say you do kind of thing, you know. And you need to, to it's a partnership between yourself and the PO yeah. to deliver you know, so sometimes for me, I always try to find ways to, 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 to relate to the POs, even if I don't like them. Because my team and I need them to deliver. Yeah. Bring the requirement. But then with, with, with time and experience, one of the things that I've realized is that when you get to a product owner that is being a bit too much, I tend to say, we are here to help you look good to the wider business. Yeah, yeah. If we do this right, and in most cases, I'm a, I'm a contractor anyways, and they tend to be permies, sorry, permanent employees. <laughs> so you can go and say, if we do this right, you look good. Because for some people, I've noticed there's a lot of times there's a bit of an ego thing going here. I'm the PO and I say and do. But then you need to let them understand that it's we and us, not I. Yeah, yeah. It's not a fight. If someone comes and asks you why, you know, the requirements, I don't understand this. But for me, if I see that, then it means that I also need to have a chat with the PO for them to understand how the requirements come across. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes, 
and you can't blame them because sometimes they've just been told you're now a PO without being told how to write the requirements properly, what information is required. Then as a scrum master or a coach, you need to step back and say, this is how good looks like. This is what we need. If you give it to us this way, we would actually spend less time with you asking you about the same requirement over and over because I understand that it's frustrating. If someone asks me the same question three times, I think the person thinks I'm stupid or something. Yeah. And sadly, it's not everyone that is, if you use the term, privileged to work as a scrum master or an agile coach to think straight away if the same question comes up. What am I missing here? Yeah. Why am I coming again? So, you know, you, you have to be patient to be able to make them understand and appreciate where the team is coming from. But then most of the time with POs, because I've seen that most of the product owners have so many teams, they, they're doing this plus their main work and they're overwhelmed. So I try to at least once a week have time with my PO, even if it's 10 minutes. Yeah. And then uh, for some of the POs that are really overwhelmed with work, I try to see if we can have a good BA to support them. Yeah. in the team I love 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 having good BAs because they make a whole lot of difference and try to ensure that the BA also spends time with the PO to ensure that the requirements of the PO are not lost when you start doing all this to support the PO the PO will then also know oh, okay this person is helping me to do my job but it doesn't happen straight away with the POs you it's, it's an interesting uh, salsa game there, you know, one step forward, two step back, da, 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 to the side, to the left kind of thing. But it's, it's a gradual process. And with time, you sort of build a relationship when they know, okay, this person is there for me. They're there to help me deliver. And then you're able to, 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 to deliver the product. But then I think most of the times when it comes to the training, even as Scrum Masters, it, if we're not careful, we get so involved and engrossed with our team that we forget to take the POs on the journey as well. And we need to make time to do that. Even if it's just five minutes saying, how are you? How is everything? Is there anything new we should be expecting? You know, that makes a difference. Yeah. And, and it's an interesting, you made a couple of points that are, yeah, I would certainly echo is that very often POs are just thrown in. Um, and and it's, a, it's a really difficult role. It is. You know, you're, you're expected to know the customer. You're supposed to be able to judge the value. You're supposed to be able to steward the team, be on call to the team. You're often doing it as a job on the side. I think we're seeing that less perhaps now. I think there's more dedicated POs. But I think in the larger organizations, I still see sometimes they're just plucked out and you're the, 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 the PO. And mm. you think, mm, and they've, done, they've never had any training. And you think that is hard. It's scary. When, of course, they're supposed to be facilitating conversations about value with important stakeholders delivery opportunities with the team options experiments and and discover new things hard job really hard job yeah it is and and sometimes uh you notice that they're under so much pressure to deliver they're under so much pressure because sometimes as a scrum master you get removed from the level of pressure external pressure the po is getting yeah so it's, it's always important to think of. Um, I always say, even if someone has a go at you, mm. always think of why. Mm. What is causing this person to treat me this way mm. and behave this way and have some, even a tiny bit of compassion 
because of that, because you don't know what yeah. the person is going through. Yeah. You know, uh, there's there's an interesting African proverb. They say that when you see a swan gliding on the water, right, it looks really graceful, right? But if you go a little bit underneath the water and you see how the legs are paddling again away, right, it's only the swan that knows the problem it's going through to look really nice on top. I, I, I think I could go there. Actually, swans, when they're out of water, are also a very interesting creature as well. Pretty aggressive, in my opinion, as well. Um, I, I, one day I'll tell you about the swan attack in uh, Caversham. So um, <coughs> we've talked about quite intimate relationships with the team and the product owner, but the business is there. You know, it's pretty crude about it. The business is there to make money and add value and, and serve customers. Um, what's your thoughts about two things, I suppose? The first thing is, how do we help businesses making sure they're asking the teams to do valuable things? And maybe we could just dis discuss that, you know, the flow of work in, because sometimes I find scrum teams can be like little hamsters in a wheel running really, really fast. Are they working on the most valuable thing? At times they are not. Yeah. At times they are. I think uh, when it comes to that, it, it, it happens, it, it, it's best to, to, to see the wider business, what, what their focus is, yeah. where they want to go, what they want to achieve. You know, so when they come with all these requirements, the question that needs to be asked is, what are we trying to achieve by mm -hmm. deciding to go down this path? Mm -hmm. is, and it's, it, you shouldn't come with a list of 10,000 things. If in, in less than five minutes, you can't tell me that, in, by doing this, we expect maybe sales to go up by 10 or 15%. Yeah, yeah. We want to ensure that our users spend less than two minutes maybe to log onto our system because we've seen that competitor A does it this way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it has to be almost tangible. It has to be virtually measurable as well. You just don't get up and do a change because of the, uh, the the sake of doing a change without thinking about it. So, you know, it's trying to get to that point where it's measurable. We, it has to be tangible. We, we, you know, because if I delivered you a product and you can't tell me how that's improved your ways of working, did okay. I really deliver the right product? Yeah, yeah. You know, but then the thing is trying, as a coach, trying to get the business to understand that yeah being able to critically uh ascertain this is what we need and this is what we don't need we need this but we don't need it now yeah we need that and then i know sometimes higher up it's really difficult to be able to to reprioritize but sometimes having that level of flexibility to say we will go down this path but these are the risks and implications if we go if we hit this point maybe we should change and tweak yeah. slightly you know being able to have that flexibility would be good but then in order to do that we need to have um a connect with the upper management yeah. and the can i say the rest of mankind <laughs> if you if you would bear with me because sometimes sadly you feel like this decision is made here right. without any thoughts as to how it will come across or anything, you know. Okay. And, and, and that bugs me at times, you know, because if you had a situation where the 
I'm choosing my words really careful here. The powers that might be will just spend a few minutes even just walking through the shop floor yeah. to find out what is going on and to talk to people. They would find it easier to come up with the next step, the next, the next way forward, especially if they talked to those that related directly with the customers it would be so easy to come with the next thing that would add value or bring value to the organization but sadly at times what happens is decision is made there and then the rest of mankind is expected to go to fix it (laughs) there's 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 a disconnect or even if people know they're not empowered enough. That's a, that, yeah, that's a good term. They're not empowered enough to be able to say, um, maybe if we did it this way, it would be, it would be better. Why are we doing this? Yeah. That's, that, that's interesting. I mean, um, I mean, I guess, you know, at board level, um, their job is to take the longer view, the longer range, and, steward, and, and maybe they don't necessarily get the time to deal with that very f- fine-grained execution at the customer level. But I do find with some of the larger organisations, you do think you're working for two businesses. People are trying to do work one end uh, and people steward at the, the top end. Um, I'm not sure they're fully divorced from kind, but I get where they're coming from. <laughs> but you did mention something there, uh, and, and maybe when you, we talk very about the team, the PO, the management, what about when the organisation, you know, obviously Vodafone is a big organisation, you work for three big organisations, used to large what about where you've not just one team you've got three teams or 30 teams or even 300 teams you know this is this dreaded scale question what's your thoughts about you know when you when you're not just the one team you've got 17 teams that i've picked out how do you make sure that works in as a scrum master from your point of view how do you make sure you team you and your team are working with all the other teams effectively well um For example, if, 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 I, if I may use, for example, Vodafone, we use yeah. Safe. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I, Safe has its pros and its cons, right? I'm not going to go into that. But then uh, I feel like with all these skilled methodologies we have out there, yeah. if we do it properly, it helps. Yeah. It's all in the impl- implementation. So, for example, using SAFE, where every three months you have a PI or a product increment, yeah. you have, when you have a lot of tiny teams uh, working on different facets of the same deliverable, for me, one of the beauties is that as part of having the PI planning sessions, you're able to highlight the dependencies. Yeah, yeah. And this is a really big thing, being able to highlight the dependencies, being able to identify what team you would require to liaise with to ensure that this dependency is dealt with. And having that sort of agreement and being able to ascertain at what time you would need maybe team B to build their product so that yours can fit into team B and not bring the whole system down and continue to build your product. And, you know, it's, it's almost like a domino effect. If you rely on team B, maybe team B relies on team L, which is further down the line, you know, trying to connect the dots, you know, so 
it looks like a bit of a crazy thing when you normally see the sheet at the end of the two days planning. But then for me, I think that was one of the biggest things, you know, highlighting the dependencies, the internal dependencies, the external dependencies when it's a big environment and the timelines within which, of course, you can't, in the beginning, you can't really say that in week four, this is going to happen. But then you have an idea or you hope that getting to week four, it's going to happen. Then yeah. for you as a scrum master by week two, you start ensuring that the other scrum master, A, we agreed, you know, and start having the conversation. When it comes to scaled at that level, that's what I think makes or break. And if you're not lucky, you work in an environment where some of the dependencies are not agile. Mm -hmm. Then you have another interesting one coming your way. <laughs> if you have a risk register, better register in it straight away. Or do you give it to whoever is dealing with that part of things to register that because that then gets interesting because if they're doing waterfall, which I've done a number of times, it's not been easy because they have their timeline. It's virtually cast in stone. Yeah. You can't change it and trying to work around their timeline. But then, hey, that's, that's what agility is all about, isn't it? <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it, I, I believe it's doable. One needs to choose the, the skilled framework they think works best for them and their organization and try their best to, um, uh, uh, to, 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 to work using that, that framework. But then it's scaled. So that means the problems that would arise are scaled <laughs> so yeah, you have to be prepared for it that's a good point i mean you, you're absolutely right. i mean you know um lots of things can kill a project not actually understand what you're trying to do in the first place is usually the first um fall of it but don't manage your dependencies you're gonna get you're gonna get done it's not not gonna work um but thinking about that there's a lot of people who look at the frameworks and see them being applied and they're quite anti-framework um, they feel that you should build up your maturity incrementally internally rather than import something and just um, almost religiously apply it to the organization i think you're sort of suggesting there's maybe maybe a middle way i don't think you're suggesting absolutely ruthless uh, application of safe but also making sure the framework fits is important um, but also there's a lot of work still to manage with those independencies that you can't legislate it all away. No. And, and, and then to be honest, um, I think uh, to a certain extent, I understand when someone would say that they are anti framework. Uh, but then let's think of the fact that the Spotify guys came up with their model that works for them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So personally, I think that if you have an environment we know what Agile is about. We know what, the, what Scrum is about. If you feel that they, they, they're too restrictive and you believe that you have the capability to come up with something that works for your environment and your culture, I think you should go ahead and do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, I, 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 I'm not one that would want to... Uh, uh, be prescriptive and say, okay, do this at this time. And then it's almost like someone saying, okay, Ian, stop breathing, breathe, continue, do it. 
it doesn't work, you yeah. know. And mm. in the process, every every pitfall, every mistake, you learn something new, you know. And maybe even with time, you could even come with some with another way of doing things that could help another organization because we need to understand that we are all playing a role in this world we live in and it's not just us. There are people coming after us or around us who could learn from what we're doing so that they could also better the world. Sure, sure. Uh, it's lovely talking to you. And, you know, what I feel is the humanity, you know, um, you, know you said some things, I'm like, oh, that was interesting. But, yeah, there's no doubt that you're a people person, you know, comes out. So we're in a not people person world at the moment, in so far as we're doing things by Zoom, we're doing things remotely, we're not getting out of the house, you're not sitting with your team. How's that? Uh, how are you coping with that as a, as a scrum master? Because I get the feeling you'd like to be there with the team in the room, working the, the wall, um, rather than Jira and Zoom and, and, and all that other stuff. The, the thing is that, you're right, uh, I love people, I love working with people, but then if the only way I can work with people is via Zoom, then I'll do it. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't want to use it as a barrier. If it was just me, I wouldn't even use Jira, I'll use post-it notes on the wall. But hey, I'm old school like that. Do you understand what I mean? I'm with you there. I'm so old school. <laughs> yes, you know. But then, uh, because, uh, have I ever worked with a team where we were all collaborated? I think once. Even at that, it wasn't 100%. And so uh, I'm sort of used to having people in India, even in India, it's different parts of India, or yeah. you name it. So quite early on in the game, I, I learned to do that, where you have your Slack or your Skype always on, you know, yeah. and from time to time, I'll just ping you and say, hey, I haven't heard from you in a while. Everything okay? Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. They, they still like it when you do that, you know. And I'm not doing it because they like it, but I genuinely want to know if you're okay, you yeah. know, because um, I always tell people that uh, the, the, the biggest impediment to change is humans. Yeah. And without humans, you cannot succeed in a change. Yeah. So if you want to be able to do this thing properly that we do, that we call Scrum Master Agile Coach, then you have to like people. You have to be genuinely interested in the people around you. You need to be genuinely interested, not just in the work they do, but in them as an individual. What do they do out of work? Because if they're happy at home, you get better deliverables. If they're not happy at home, your deliverable is messed up. You know, so you, you need to go beyond person A with ID number, X, Y, Z, I hate that. But instead, this is Peter. Peter is a father with two kids. His daughter is doing this and that and that. Peter likes to go mountain climbing. So when Peter goes on holiday and comes and say, oh, where did you go this time, Kilimanjaro? How was it? You know, you need to be that interested in the people around you. Yeah. Um I don't think there's any question I could possibly ask that would top that answer. So, <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> it is. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people who are, you know, framework focused and process focused and what have you. And I do meet a lot of people who are much more 
not that the others don't like people that's not what i'm saying but there are people who come from the people side of it and uh, i think you, was it did you say your mama I, I can see that for sure um louisa thank you so much for your time today really appreciate uh, listening to your thoughts about scrum mastering it's good to to speak to someone who's really been plowing that field for a long time thank you for your insight if people want to get hold of you and talk to you about some of the subjects that uh, you've raised or even think about you know maybe you could work with their team how can they get hold of you louisa um i'm on linkedin absolutely aren't we all yes so i think that's the easiest way because i've got it on my phone and everything so i'm on linkedin so if they 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 ping me on linkedin we can have a chat because with the other social media platforms uh, I'm a bit old school. I go on them, but then I get carried away doing so many things that uh, I may not get back to you straight away. But with LinkedIn, I would definitely get back to you. So I think that would be the easiest way. Super. Well, um, makes sense to me. Uh, thank you so much, Louisa. I hope someone pings you very, very soon. Um, you know, if you'd like to talk to Louisa, you know how to get hold of her. If you'd like to talk to me, um, you can get me through LinkedIn as well. I do do other social media networks, but I'm probably as tardy as Louisa. <laughs> you can email me at uh, ian.gill at agilitybynature.com. We have a number of practitioners who are skilled like Louisa across architecture, scrum master, product management. Um, we'd love to talk to you about some of the things that are on your mind. In the meantime, it's now walk the dog o'clock for me. I've got Darcy's looking at me thinking, why are you still here? We should be out walking in the field. Um, lunchtime for you, Louisa? Yes. <laughs> and on that, having a hope to speak to you soon. Same here. Thank Bye. you so much. Bye.